again, we've said this before and we'll say it again. It's so easy to feel like you want to be all things to all people, spread yourself all over the world and, and hope that business comes in as a result. But the fact of the matter is the more you niche, the more business you're going to get, the more confidence you're going to get in speaking about the topics that relate to your niche. And that's why it's super important to get into a niche as soon as you possibly can. Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Why the hell not? So what are we talking about today? Mr. Steinfeld? Well, Mrs. Steinfeld, uh, if I'm if I'm reading the the topic right, we're talking about finding your niche. This is something that I know a lot of people, not just new agents, but especially new agents or people who are reinventing themselves in this industry are always curious about is exactly how do I find what I'm supposed to be doing with myself as a specialty, as a niche, as a focus. We do talk about this from time to time, but we're going to dive in specifically into this. For all yeah, the I think. Souls. All the lost souls. Well, you can't the blame them. I don't know my niche. You can't. No, but it's it's a tough thing to find, especially when you're constantly if you're if you're like us and like to listen to podcasts and and ideas and all that kind of stuff, go to real estate conferences. There's so many ideas out there and it's easy to get swayed and uh, wanting to try something new just because it seems to be working for, for other people. So we understand it's not that we, we don't, but it's so important to find your niche. That's why we want to talk about and reiterate this topic once again. We do. And I might be grimacing and I'm going to power through this because I'm a stubborn idiot, but you saw I made this coffee before we started and I made it with questionable milk. It's showing up. It's showing up in the taste. You're drinking coffee with questionable milk? It's questionable. It's Wh questionable. Why it's would edible. you do that? Because I want my coffee. I want my coffee. It's not what? turned. There's no chunks in the milk. This isn't like oh cottage God, cheese I would in not my coffee. Why do you do that? Why? Just, I'm a stubborn. See, person. I'm like the type of person that like, if anything is like, even just remotely appears off or it has expired, it's in the garbage. Whereas you tend to take more risk on that. It's, I tend um, to be the person reaching into the garbage after you've tossed it to see if anything can be salvaged. True. But Think please back don't. to the, uh, we should tell the story of the seven layer dip. That had that had an eighth layer <laughs> that wasn't supposed a to be fuzzy there. layer, a fuzzy layer. It was a fuzzy layer. I don't know. Fuzz can make dip better. Anyway, to anybody oh. uh, listening or are watching, you saying you might have to leave this podcast? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. This this isn't affecting my stomach. It's just affecting my psyche. Okay, it's got me. <laughs> it's got me alert. It's going to keep me awake. It's not going to knock me out. I'm good. I'm good. It's just I'm, your pants. I'm <laughs> what in my pants awake in my so pants. Are you going to poop your pants? Oh, am I going to poop my pants? I don't know. That's why I'm happy. The camera only stops at my shoulders. You'd never know. 
Oh my God. This isn't like All a right. 4D, this is not like, what we were trying to talk about. I mean, you took anyway. it to a new level. I'm just saying it tastes off. So I might grin. Well, I didn't know what it. you meant by like, I, it sounded like you had to like run to the bathroom or something. So it's <laughs> a little I'm going nowhere. You're stuck drinking with me. the coffee. Oh my God. You are stuck with me. And I'm just going All right. to. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It is All what right. it is. Let's, so let's what's that? I said, let's return back to the topic. Right, yeah, let's let's dial back to what we were talking about because nobody, ain't nobody needs to know anymore about my bad milk or what might be happening afterwards. You've got good tea. All right, it so like. it is excellent tea with no milk. It's delicious. Okay, so finding your niche, um, definitely for the newer agents, I think it's def- uh, a topic, a question that is asked often um, and kind of where you take your focus. And again, we've said this before and we'll say it again. It's so easy to feel like you want to be all things to all people, spread yourself all over the world and and hope that business comes in as a result. But the fact of the matter is the more you niche, the more business you're going to get, the more confidence you're going to get in speaking about the topics that relate to your niche. And that's why it's super important to get into a niche as soon as you possibly can. Right. Sounds like a, like there's a countdown going over people's heads, but yes. Oh. You, I, I think because people think that spreading, uh, casting a wide net is the way to go and you're going to miss out on things, it's really important to understand why that's not the case. So if you're questioning what Katie just said, like, why do I need to focus on something specific? What about all the stuff I'm going to miss out on? What happens if somebody calls me from outside of where my focus is? The key here is, I don't care what market you're in, there's way too much competition for you to be all things to all people. Okay, in the market that we're in right now, which is one city, there are over 70,000 realtors. And I know that that's a much larger, you know, per capita realtor, we're like the realtor capital of the world here. But generally speaking, wherever you are, People you know, know other realtors. They know other agents. They know people who will recommend other people to them. And more often than not, those recommendations come from a place of trust and an understanding that people are good at a particular thing that you're looking for. So when you're in a noisy space and everybody's competing for business, often the people who are saying the same thing with really broad strokes will cancel each other out. Yeah. Because people need to eliminate the noise and figure out who they want to work with and who who's going to do the best job for them. And the way to do that is to be someone who positions yourself as an expert in a particular area, because not enough people are positioning themselves as subject matter, regional, whatever it is, experts. And when you are, right away, you eliminate half of that noise that's competing for the same business you are. Because they're just saying, I'm great at real estate. Look at all the sales I have, whatever. Maybe that's their approach that works with some people. But you want to work with people who are looking for the things you are offering. And none of us is a superstar slam dunk everything we're great at. Like we have to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. I can't sell commercial, for example. Like I wouldn't trust myself with commercial. I wouldn't trust myself with... Uh, a lot of rural, there's just things that I don't know, don't do, don't have an interest in expanding my business to because there's a focus. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super important. And so let's think of the different areas that you can niche. Cause I think a lot of people often wonder, okay, well, like, is it just neighborhood only? Like what, what are the options here? So of course you have your neighborhood and neighborhood is always a good one, especially if you live in that neighborhood and not to say that you have to, um, niche or farm into a certain neighborhood, but uh, into your own neighborhood, but it definitely makes life easier because you're there constantly, you know, what's happening at the, at the municipal level at, you know, openings of, of new businesses, things like that. Like it just makes it so much easier rather than you having you having you having to track 30 minutes away to get into your niche. Um, so that's that's something to consider, um, I think, when it comes to neighborhoods. And like we could we can do a whole other topic, and we've done topics on on this before about going geographic farming, but um, that's one of the main ones. Yeah, I think there's yeah neighborhoods is the one that I think a lot of people will gravitate to as that's what we mean when we say niche, right? Geographic farming is a thing. It could be the area you focus on. But everything is a segment and segments are not limited to locations. Another one, you know, demographics in a lot of ways. And the more, uh, the key to all this is the more you're able to cut it down and the more specific you're going to get. So building on the importance of niching, the tighter that niche is, the more successful you're going to be and the more focused you're going to be in your own delivery of your services and your communications. Yeah, I would say with demographics, that step kind of comes after you choose a main niche. Like, so if it's a geographic area, then you can kind of look at what the, what demographics make sense. If that, if that makes sense, like for example, in, in our neighborhood, it's a lot of families with elementary school, high school kids, like that is, that would make sense from a demographic perspective. But if you were to look at, you know, first time home buyers across Ontario, that's not niched enough. So I think you kind of have to have an element of um, a, a, a bit more of a focus on, on a certain aspect of, of that demographic. So, oh, okay. So to qualify what I was saying, I think both of those are things that need to be tightened up with each other right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, people will focus on women as clients, people will focus on millennials as clients. And I, and I agree, that's not a niche. That's a part of something that would fit in. But the same way that if you're saying I'm focused on Mississauga, right, or, e or even a tighter neighborhood, like we talk about farming, people when they set up a, a location, a lot of them think that, well, you know, 10,000 homes or 30,000 homes is niching. It yeah. might be geographically a, a space enclosed by these four streets, right? And there's something there, but the more you're able to close in on something that's specific, leveraging things like location, like demos, um, that's big as well. And you touched on, uh, there's types of people as well. So demographic, yeah. I think traditionally people think, you know, ethnicity, gender, age, like kind of those census things. But when it comes to real estate, there's also the angles of what type of a buyer seller, is it buyers? Is it sellers? Is it first timers? Is it investors? Is it sophisticated or not? Um, yeah, that's a big one. 
like one that I talk a lot about, especially when people are first getting into the industry, especially if they are typical, uh, you know, um, a younger agent, they're a heck of a lot more comfortable speaking with people their age or first time home buyers where they know they can give them knowledge versus a more sophisticated buyer or seller or the parent. Like, I feel like I'm kind of getting, and you are as well, like getting to that stage where I've had the opportunity to work with so many first time home buyers. And now I've gotten to the part of my career where my first time or my, those clients who have now subsequently bought other homes are referring me to their parents, which is incredible. But like when I first started, I would not be comfortable and I probably wouldn't have gotten that referral. And in fact, I know there was a couple of instances where those people, like the parents ended up not working with me because probably my level of experience wasn't there yet. So, um, it, it's important also to consider what you're comfortable with as well, because if you're going to start like luxury is another great example. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I want to get into luxury real estate. Well, do you enjoy working with that type of a, of a buyer or a seller? Do you have the knowledge about all of these high-end appliances, finishes? Like you need to have a certain degree of knowledge and experience and understanding um, in order to get into certain markets. So it's asking yourself, am I comfortable with this? Like I, I hadn't, I definitely went down that road of wanting to get into luxury and quickly realized like, that's not for me. I don't want to work with, with those types of clients. Well, so, so let's go through, like you touched on comfort level. I think to frame this conversation, you know, to get listy for a second, because we Ooh, like our list. You're getting listy. Like, let's just Fancy. talk about the high level questions you need to ask yourself as you're evaluating this, right? And I'll preface this by saying, there's not a right answer, right? Until you feel comfortable that you've done the work to establish where you want to be. Okay, mm -hmm. so like comfort level is what? Am I comfortable with this? Am I not? Do I like this? Do I not? Or sorry, what do I like? What don't I like? Is maybe a better question in terms of spending mm -hmm. my time. What do I feel I can be committed to? Um, where are my skills? Like, what am yeah. I good at? And what am I not good at? And, and I think, sorry, just touch, just elaborating on that one a little bit. I think you got to, there's, there's like, I feel like there's two distinct groups of, of people I've met in, in the industry. Those that are very outgoing able to put themselves out there, talk to anybody, like the really outgoing people. And then there's also the introverted realtor who enjoys more so giving more, you know, video content, knowledge, um, you know, finding their own way to communicate and, and have, and start relationships with, with people more on one-on-one -on -one versus that as a big group. Um, because obviously there's different types of ways that you can grow your business, but understanding like all of us probably would like to be more extroverted than what we are. I, I, I certainly would, but no, but it, it helps, right? Um, when, when you are in situations and in big groups, because those represent really great opportunities. But the fact of the matter is I like, I want to curl in a ball and hide in a corner while I'm, because I can't strike up conversation with, with complete strangers. It's very hard for me to do that. So that's important. Well, and yeah, and that in itself is, it's not even a skill or not a skill. I think it's just a personality trait. Like you yeah. need to identify who you are, how you operate. But the caveat I want to put on all of that 
you can identify what you believe or what you are good at, not good at. That doesn't mean that you can't establish you want to learn something because that's what you're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like niching doesn't mean if you say, hey, I'm really good with numbers. So I guess I'm going to want to work with investors. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you say, I really want to learn more about like you use luxury as an example. And I think, you know, you went down the path and realized it wasn't for you and that's okay. Right. Yeah. But it do- it doesn't mean if right now I'm not bougie enough, I shouldn't go into luxury. Right. If it's something no. I want to learn about and it's something that I want to apply myself to, that's where the commitment question comes in. And I think even more so, I shouldn't even say more so because you could be good at something and then become complacent because you think you're so good at it and screw it up that way, right? So identifying your commitment to anything that you want to niche in, to me, that's really what's going to win you the battle. You can pick anything and be good at it if you're committed to doing what you need to do to succeed there. And that's a long-term play, right? It's important yeah. to recognize that. Um you're not going, if you decide tomorrow, I want to focus on first time home buyers who are looking to buy a Toronto condo, for example. Okay, great. You've decided on that. You put the work in for a week. You're not going to get the business. It's going to take you a while to build up. Um, so just keep that in mind. And we've talked about that whole valley of despair thing because we all get excited. Trust trust us. We, we are in the exact same boat. We do this all the time. New idea. So excited. Go down the the hill into the valley of despair and recognize how much work is actually required to do this and how and question whether or not we're really, really willing to put in that work. So we have, I can't even count on both hands, the number of things <laughs> dying in our valley, individually and collectively. Our, our valley is like a cemetery. You know what? If we keep dropping things in the valley, we're actually building it up where it's almost level ground. Some that's, of the stuff's the just going to already be there. Someone's got to make yeah. a diagram for that. But anyway, for people who don't know what we're talking about, it's a couple past episodes or message us and we can tell you all about the Valley of Despair. I know it sounds like an <laughs> like an entertaining conversation to have is to talk about the Valley of Despair. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is anything, like niching is your business plan. It's your strategy. Strategy yeah. is not, like yeah, there's short-term plans. Like the short-term tactics and things you put into play are just there to support the long-term strategy of the niche that you're focused on. So- I worry about, because you're right, people don't see success in a week, two weeks, a month, and they give up. I also worry about the people who see immediate success and think that they've succeeded at what they're doing. Mm. Right? Yeah, there's some and it, like, ha- it happens. I mean, luck. we wish it on everybody. I want to see everybody hit a home run on their first person they talk to, but it is yeah. super dangerous when you let that convince you that you've done what you need to do. And now the business is going to come to you because we do get layups once in a while. Mm-hmm. Their layoffs, layups aren't what the business is. Like your niche can't be, I'm going to niche in people who call me. Right. Um, so just understand that, that this is something that goes beyond just saying, if this works, great, I'll keep doing it and I'm good. Or if this doesn't work, I'm going to give up. This becomes what you are and what you're focused on going forward. To say that you can't switch focuses, like you can, like 
you don't want to be switching constantly, but there's nothing wrong with going down a road and saying, oh, I didn't realize this was what it was. I don't want to torture myself for the rest of my life doing this, you know, this thing. So. Because of that, before I forget, that's why this part of the process is so important because I agree. And we just admitted we do it. Everybody does it. We pivot. We don't like something we thought we would, but in a lot of cases, that's because the work that should have gone in on the front end to establish why you want this to be what you want to do and building the plan, building the strategy and saying, here's what I want. Here's why, here's how I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to measure success and talk to people about that. This is a very difficult thing to do on your own, right? Like you could find things and establish what it is that you like and what you want to do and build a whole plan, but with no feedback, especially if you're new to the game, you're setting yourself up for a very rocky road where you're going to be frustrated because you don't hit the benchmarks you set for yourself without getting feedback about, you know, I don't want to say what it's really like because people are going to tell you all sorts of different things and you don't just buy what people tell you. Right. But it is important to get that perspective because maybe there's certain aspects of the job, like the core aspects of the job that you're just not going, you know, you're not going to enjoy. So better to find out earlier rather than putting all this time and effort into growing, like building a business around that niche only to realize that it sucks and you want to give up. So, okay. So let's, let's talk about, we said it goes beyond location, demographic, stuff like that. And to give people an idea, at least, at least of some of the things that, that I'm thinking, I, like we can just throw ideas out there. But to me, the world's always an interesting place. Like there's always new things, whether it's the news, whether it's the economy, whether it's whatever. And depending on what you're interested in and how much you're keeping an ear to the ground, there's a lot of niching that is right in our face right now as opportunities that people are really not taking advantage of. So for example, an aging population, Mm. for example, uh, accessible housing, Um, you know, a a lot of this missing middle stuff that isn't quite there, but is up and coming, you know, the idea of housing that isn't multiplexes or detached homes or semis, like the stuff in the middle that is still kind of coming together, but is going to need to be where things are to make things affordable. There's opportunity for people to champion a lot of those as one person out of a few in a super busy space that can specialize in things that people are going to be increasingly looking for. Yeah, no, that's it's really important. And I think that scares a lot of people because it's too niched. But mm. really, when you do that, you become known as that resident expert, not only with potential clients, but also with the realtor community, you know, we all know certain people, like if you think of a a location or maybe a certain type of, of home, um, not every type of home, but like certain things, like if somebody says like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I mean, I don't really know anybody for accessible housing right now, so it's a great one. But um, even like, you know, for different disabilities, like, you know, the deaf and blind people and like things like that, like we we know somebody that does that. And that's, that's incredible. And it doesn't only cater to those types of people, but 
it's the inclusion part. Um, we were talking to Laura last week about women in real estate and part of her business is really focusing on um, equality and um, just equality for everyone, not, not just women, but the LGBTQ plus community and all that kind of stuff. And she gets referrals based on the fact that people know that about her. She puts it on her website. So there's so many different aspects and it's something that they're passionate about as well. I think that's something to keep in mind as well. Cause like for us focusing in on our own community and families, like we're a family, we, we, we want to, you know, make our community more family friendly, like have more events, like just support it and, and make it as safe as possible. So the things that we get involved with, whether it's a direct correlation with business or not, like being on the parent council, um, parent council at our school, like it's things that we enjoy doing, but also has a nice side benefit of meeting people, getting them exposed to what we do. And it just becomes a more natural experience when you're trying to build your business. Right. Well, it, it the less it's going to take you away from who you really are, yeah. the easier it is to start it, to maintain it, to enjoy it. Um, I mean, everybody has their own challenges with time management and work-life balance and all that. And if you can find a way, if it's, if it's where you want to be to leverage what you know and how you live already, like, think about it. You're already a subject matter expert, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. you want to keep an ear to the ground on the things that are happening in whatever space that is, because it's how you live your life. So, um, I think for the people, so if the point of all this is how do I find it? What do I do? What's the answer? I think everybody's looking for the answer. It's the same as any topic we put up here. How do I get leads? Okay, great. You told you told me this, all this stuff. How do I get business? Well, that, but that that's it. Like everybody's looking for a magic pill and you need to strip away this zero to hundred mentality with the way you do your business, you need to, like we talk about all the time, like the step-by-step -step breaking it down approach is how you're going to do your strategy and how you're going to establish your tactics. But the same rings true for how you're going to establish who your niche market is, right? Start with the wide net, okay? If you don't have a niche right now, you've got everybody in front of you. You're not succeeding with them, full stop. Especially if you're new to the business and you don't have an established network of people for whom you do business. Cause if you do, like maybe you're in a place which a lot of people's kind of golden ticket is once you get to that comfortable zone where your network is big enough and your book of business is big enough that your phone is ringing, that's great. But most of the time when someone's saying, I'm still trying to figure out who I'm trying to talk to, this is a great opportunity for you to really dive in and take a look at the non-traditional stuff that people aren't focusing on right? Like there's enough yeah, just, places where people, and, and don't try to, I'm not saying try to be different. I'm not saying focus yeah. on like, you know, people who fly fish in, in you know, and like, whatever I like, you've yeah. got to just, you've got to find that balance and there's nothing wrong with niching in a traditional sense. Like that is probably where most people end up, whether it's geographical farming or, you know, mm -hmm. certain types of transactions in certain areas. That's great. Yeah. But take the time to establish where it is your mind is, what you enjoy, what you're good at, where you want to be, 
because it'll make it easier to wake up each morning and actually do the work. Right. And the other thing is I think a lot of people like to start with the tactics before, before thinking of a focus. So it's like, I want a door knock. Okay. Well, how does that relate back to where you want to focus your time? Because we've had this conversation many times with people. If your tactic is to door knock once, it's going to be a massive waste of your time and you likely will not get very far. Maybe somebody will open the door and say, yeah, I want to sell my house. But, you know, that goes back to the whole, you know, lucky, like that first time around. And then it just becomes apparent that it's not so easy after all. So really you start with your focus and then you build, as you were saying, tactics around that to make sure that you have a fluid way of um, building your business and those tactics kind of layer onto each other. And so breaking it down, as you had said, you start with one tactic. It's not like, you know, okay, geographic farm, I'm going to do postcards. I'm going to do community events every single month. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And like, while those are all great tactics that relate to building a, a geographic farm, you can't do them all at once. You got to pick and choose what makes sense for what, what makes sense for your time and what you can, um, you can commit to and then build up from there. But there's definitely tactics that relate to the niche or the, the, yeah, the niche that you're trying to serve. Um, so, but that has to be determined after you finish, you figure out what your focus is. Like the strategy element to it is the fun that comes next, right? But mm -hmm. take that time to commit to something. And also we mentioned earlier, and, and I've experienced this, I think you probably have too, like you can be focusing somewhere and business will come to you from other places, right? Not because, not because of the strategies necessarily, but I mean, it happens, right? Like these lucky things happen. And just because I'm focusing on a family in a certain area, if somebody calls me from someone else, somewhere else, to sell their house and it's within my wheelhouse of something I'm familiar with, you take the business, right? But for me, at least, it's important not to convince yourself that this is changing your niche or this is changing what you're doing. And a good example of that is for some reason, my phone rings a lot with distressed properties or properties that are not great because yeah. I had success once selling a uh, selling a place that was kind of dumpy and they told a friend who had something dumpy and a friend tells a friend and it just happens, which is fine. But that doesn't mean that now I say, well, I must be the king of dumpy properties. Maybe this is the niche I need to be in. It's great. The business is coming. I'm not turning it down. Well, it's just, you've gotten a good, you know, you've built a strong referral base in your business. That's, it's a different that's thing. That's what that, it is. It's not, that's, that's not what you're focused on, but again, right. It's about like the relationships. Once you have the business, having those relationships, which right. then comes referrals. And that, and that's where it doesn't like, this is where people shouldn't be confused between a niche and just the business that they get. And it ties in a bit here. So I could see Medi's asking a question. Can we have more than one niche at the same time? Um, I won't, I won't say no, because I think that that's a very firm thing, but I will say it dilutes what you're trying to do. 100%. Okay. So for example, like what the example I just used, I don't consider distressed and crappy properties a niche of mine just because I get business there and I don't focus on it. My marketing efforts, granted you and I don't do as much 
selling actively and marketing that way. But the way that we niche what we're doing is focused in one spot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we're going to be. And that's it. And- think, think about it. And I know I hate when people equate our profession to like, like doc- doctors or lawyers or things like that, but like, think Pretty about useful. it. Yeah. Um, but think about like, if, would you want to go to a doctor that specializes in both heart and brain, or would you want to fo- go to one? Like, would you prefer to go to one that specifically focuses on one aspect of the body? Um, if you really have a, con- a concern from a health perspective, like to me, I would go to that person that knows that in and out and talks about it. And, and like, I'm confident that they know what they're doing. I find it's very confusing. And especially when we talk about social media, like if you are putting out content that relates to two different types of niches, people are like, what? Like, you know, I don't know whether to give you business or whether, you know, maybe I should look to somebody else. So it can confuse the consumer and it can also confuse you because you, you. you can't focus a hundred percent of your time on, on the one thing it's, it's your, as you said, diluting your, yourself and your efforts. Um, so it, it depends. And Medi, if you want to reach out to us, um, and just let us know kind of what your thoughts are thinking, because maybe, maybe it would make sense. But I think if you're like two distinct different niches, um, you're going to have a really hard time staying consistent with both of those. Well, it dilutes not just your business, but your brand and your efforts, right? Like you only have 24 hours in a day and now you're going to have 12 hours in a day for two different things. And if they are, and you have to sleep somewhere (laughs) and you have to sleep at some point in time. But if you are doing things that are not related other than through real estate, I find that people who are doing that actively try to keep those two messages separate because you don't want people seeing one of the niches to see that you're also a heart doctor, right? Or like, like if I did do both things, I wouldn't open a clinic that says brain and heart doctor. I'd open a heart clinic and a brain clinic somewhere else so that people were confident coming to me for those things, right? So it just makes things harder. And it's better than casting a wide net, right? Like it's kind of, it's it's on the way to niching, but it's still not niching if you have multiple niches, right? Yeah. I shouldn't That's say that. Question, it is still though. niching, but- Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, you know, as you're building your niche, you're also, you know, communicating and building relationships with your sphere of influence and people that are in your database, which hopefully brings you more immediate business. So when a new agent starts out, we talk to them about, okay, let's talk about who your, who your sphere of influence is. Let's get those people into a database, people that you've worked with in the past, friends, family, neighbors, all of that kind of stuff. And those are people that you can have immediate connection and relationships with. It doesn't mean that those are your niche. Those are just like the business kind of you, not the business, but the contacts or the connections you already have. Um, so you're kind of working that side as well as building a niche so that your business becomes this consistent like resource for your consistent business that you're constantly, um, you're not worried about, okay, when, where's, where's the next commission check going to come from? Like, you know, because you're have the business rolling in with, with those relationships. Well, that that's it. This 
this is what's going to feed the long-term strategy. And this is going to give you day-to-day focus while the stuff that you've already built continues to churn. Like that's the hope. And this is something that gives you purpose and direction with what you're putting out there. Right. Like, I mean, just think about it from any, any example, if it's market reports, what's more useful, here's what happened in Toronto, or here's what happened in our postal code. Right. Like people who you're Mm -hmm. after are going to respond to one or the other. Like, yeah, you might get reaction to both, but even beyond who reacts, how many realtors are out there saying, here's what happened in our city with the exact same report that's publicized and in the newspapers and generic versus here's the story of what matters to you, the individual in my niche market right now, right? Like which one is more likely to garner a response or a question from somebody? So that's it. It's all about cutting through the noise. Like that's the point of doing this. It's in a competitive marketplace. You want to be somebody who can cut through and have a reason that someone's going to call you instead of somebody else. And being an expert or having a focus in a particular area is more likely to generate that for you than having a flashy logo or a big headline that says, you know, if I don't sell it, I'll buy it or whatever. Right. No disrespect to that, but, but niching is not that that's the wide net approach. This is the let's pinpoint in on people approach. All right. It was like my, not really a mic drop, but I just stopped talking. That was it. Thought, (laughs) thought was over. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. And so is the bad coffee. I made it. Good. Now you're going to make it to the bathroom. (laughs) I don't know. Level up, 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 level up,